when we posture ourselves toward God in these tangible ways, sometimes it can feel awkward at first, awkward like when I tried to play kickball in junior high. Um, But over time, if we keep, keep at it, over time, we are changed. We'll look back and we'll say, wow, patience does not feel quite as unnatural to me as it did 15 years ago. And wow, wow, generosity comes more easily than it did before. And wow, peace is easier to access than it was in the past. So like practicing a physical skill, like catching a, catching a baseball, shooting a free throw, swinging a golf club, rarely are we efforts are we, are we experts at our first attempt? It is the consistency and the persistence of our practice that brings proficiency. When it comes to our spiritual practices, it is the work of grace over time that empowers us and renews our mind as the Apostle Paul so often describes. We talked about prayer last week, and we're going to keep talking about it this week because it's really a big deal, isn't it? We may talk about it next week. We may talk about it the week after that. There's a lot to be said about prayer. It's really, it's really a big deal. It's kind of the biggest deal, I think. Kind of the biggest deal. Regular, personal communication with God is possibly the most astonishing feature of our Christian life. I don't think that's too bold of a statement to make. And yet so many of us find it difficult. Confusing. Inaccessible. Don't we? Am I the only one? Yeah, we do honesty around here. We do honesty. So I just want to say to you, If you find prayer difficult, you are in good company. In his best-selling book, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell proposed something that he called, and many of you will have heard of this, the 10,000-hour rule. That is, to become an expert at any task, one must practice it for approximately 10,000 hours which works out, in case you're wondering, to about 20 hours a week over 10 years' time. And so then you can do the math out from there, 10 hours a week for 20 years and so on and so forth. That's about the extent of my math I'm able to do in my head. So if you don't feel like an expert when it comes to prayer or anything else, really, don't worry. Don't worry. It takes time. It just takes time. I remember being a teenager in youth group, and I I can remember being told, prayer is just like talking to your best friend. It's just like talking to your best friend. Has anybody else heard that? You guys have heard people say that? Yeah, me too. Like, I have said it to other people. I've said it to people myself, because what you're trying to convey when you say something like that is that God is not to be feared. God is accessible. He is approachable. He is... 
He's familiar and that's a good thing and that's okay. Just like talking to your best friend. Except it's not really, is it? It's not. It's not really like that. You can see a person. You can physically touch a person. You can hear a person with your physical ears. And the times when we experience God like that are, are rare, very rare. It, with literal sight, sound, and touch, that's not a common occurrence. It can happen. I have had experiences of, you know, the hand on your shoulder when there's nobody near. I have had experiences, and I know other people that have, but those are, those are not the everyday of our Christian faith. And I think sometimes if, if people are talking as, as though it were, sometimes they're, they're using language in a different way than I am, I think. By and large, the ways that we connect with God on a regular basis are much more subtle. It is real. Do you understand? There's, there's not a difference between our physical and these, these other ways that we experience God. Both are real, but there's this other layer of awareness that is underneath what is seen and felt and touched that we're tapping into when we practice Prayer. Compounding the confusion is the sheer amount of information and instruction that is floating around out there about prayer. If you were to go to Google right now and type in how to pray into the search bar, you would get 849 million results. 849 million. Usually when I say a number like that, 849 million, I'm exaggerating for effect, but this is the actual number of results that were generated a few years ago when I just got, or a few years ago, a few days ago when I got curious. 849 million. Amazon has over 100,000 books on prayer available for purchase. 100,000, which just says more than 100,000, so I don't know when they stop counting. That's a lot. Some of the titles are pretty intense. There's some intense titles in there, like this one, Powerful Prayers in the War Room, Learning to Pray Like a Powerful Prayer Warrior, in parentheses, Battle Plan for Prayer. That's intense. Some of the titles make some space for the challenges. One book was called How to Pray When You Don't Know What to Say. That's a little bit more honest. Some of them are really specific. There's a, there's a how to pray on every occasion. How to pray when you need a miracle. Like, I don't know when we don't need a miracle, but how to, how to pray when you need a miracle. How to pray in times of stress. How to pray for lost loved ones. How to pray for your wife, your husband, your son, your daughter, your children, small children, grown children. For every specific occasion, there is a book that will tell you how to pray for that. 
And there's even some titles that sound like they're a little bit more my speed, like maybe the ones that I would pick out if I were buying them. Like learn how to pray for beginners. A simple guide on how to pray and experience the power of God. I need, I need it kept simple. How to pray, a simple guide for normal people. I don't know if I fall into that category, but I'm, I'm drawn to that title nonetheless. And then of course, you know, the quintessential Christian prayer for dummies. <laughs> so many books. Oh my gosh. Now, don't get me wrong. If you know me, you know that I am a reader. I love books. I, am, I might even go so far as to say I'm addicted to books. There's no such thing as too many books, only too few bookshelves. And that's my position. I love books. I love learning There are many books on prayer on my own shelves at home and in my office. I have learned through Bible studies, both on my own and in groups. I've gone to seminars and workshops, taken classes, listened to sermons in person on YouTube. I've read so many books. Those things are useful. We should be doing those things. We should be doing all we can to learn and to grow. And prayer is a skill. It is a habit. We can get better at it. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We should be trying to grow. And yet, and yet always, we have to remind ourselves that prayer is ultimately a mystery. Ultimately a mystery and its mechanisms belong to God and not to us. And I don't know about you, but I find this terrifying and comforting all at the same time. Terrifying because we can't control it. We are not in the driver's seat. And it's comforting for the very same reason, because we are not in control. Something bigger than ourselves, something outside of ourselves, greater than ourselves. I need that, something bigger, holding us, surrounding us, sustaining us, and loving us. We are wrapped in that when we practice prayer. Prayer is not an attempt to earn the presence of God. It is a response to the already with us presence of God. So when we approach the question of how to pray, let's start there. Jesus had a few things to say about how to pray. Today we'll look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. The words will be on the screen behind me. We've got some Bibles over here stacked on the speaker stand if you're, if you're into paper books like I am. And of course there's the, the Wi-Fi for your device. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus said, and when, he's talking to his disciples giving them instructions about spiritual disciplines in general. And he says to his disciples, when you pray, 
When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners. And, and check this here. It's not the location that's the important thing in the sentence. It's, it's what I'm about to say. This is the important part. They're doing it to be seen by others. The hypocrites pray to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the pagans. Don't put on a show of your prayer for the benefit of those around you and don't treat prayer like a ritual or a spell where the words are thought to put you in control of the process. We like to relegate that thinking, that pagan thinking, we like to think of that as being something that happens to other people. It's those primitive societies where they would throw a virgin into the volcano and, in hopes that they would get good crops. And we like to think that we're much more sophisticated than those people, but we are no less susceptible to that kind of thinking in this modern age. One of the books on Amazon that really caught my eye was called How to Pray, Get Results Every Time. It said on the cover, right under that, like a subtitle, you'll be amazed at how easy it is. <laughs> really? I'm tempted to order it just to see what it says. I mean, oh my goodness. I am so sorry if this is news to anyone here. I'm so sorry to disappoint you. But we can't make God do anything. We cannot make him do anything. There is no perfect formula, no voodoo spell. And yet, Jesus says, go into your room, close the door, and you have a private and personal audience with the king of the entire universe. The one that holds the entire universe in his hands. You have a private audience with him. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you need before you even say a word. And Jesus implies that if we put ourselves in God's presence like that, just simply as we are, the reward that we will receive from our loving and heavenly Father is far greater than anything 
that human praise or adoration could offer us. Because God gives us the gift of himself. Prayer is a private and personal, unique and intimate interaction between you and God. Unique. St. Therese of Lisieux described it this way. Prayer for me, she said, is simply a raising of the heart, a simple glance toward heaven, an expression of love and gratitude in the midst of trial as well as in times of joy. In a word, it is something noble and supernatural expanding my soul and uniting it to God. When we raise our heart, we raise our glance toward heaven, we become aware of God's presence, that is prayer. That is prayer. And as we do that, as we raise our eyes and we raise our glance toward heaven, something extraordinary happens. Psalm 116 tells us, verse one, the psalmist says, I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear toward me. I will call on him As long as I live, he turned his ear. The New Living Translation says it like this. I just love this. Verse two, because he bends down to listen. Picture a child. Picture a child that wants to tell this important adult in their life something very important. And what do we do? We, we bend down to listen. We incline our ear toward that child. I love that imagery. Because is that not the difference at the end of the day? Is that not the difference between our God and the rest? We have a God who bends down. He stoops low, low. He gets down in the dirt with us. That is who our God is. He does the work. He does the heavy lifting. And he merely requires our attention. One way of looking at this mysterious reality of the way that we connect with God in prayer is to talk about the internet. You can stick with me here, okay? Stay with me. The internet. This whole room is full of the internet. You guys know that, right? It's full of the internet. It's beaming in some way that I am at a complete loss to understand because I am the least tech-savvy person in this room. I can always claim that title and never be wrong. I fail to to understand exactly how it works, but there's up here on the ceiling, there's a a disc. It's a white disc, and it has a green light on it, and internet is coming out of of that 
little circle, it looks like a little flying saucer. <laughs> Miraculous waves of Wi-Fi are all in this room. They're bouncing off the concrete walls. They're, they're beaming through our bodies. That creeps some of you out. It's okay. <laughs> Google said we will not get cancer. It's fine. As we sit here, Wi-Fi is, is just all around us. We can't see it. I mean, I don't think you can. If you can, I, like, I want to talk after. But... <laughs> Because that, be, that would be really interesting. We can't see it. We can't feel it. But we know that it's there. How do we know that it's there? How do we know? Because we can connect to it. We can connect to it through a device that is designed to capture the signal. To focus it. To give us access to a universe of data and information. The computer in the sound booth, the iPad that the media team is using, phones in our pockets. Yeah, I got Wi Fi. They're all designed to connect, designed to connect, to access all of those resources of the internet. This is not unlike the way that the presence and person of God fills this room right now. We are in his presence right now. The whole earth is filled with his presence. That's what the Bible says. In the book of Jeremiah, God asks, chapter 23, verse 23 through 24, God asks, Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, asks God. Is there any place you can go where his presence is not? Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. God is filling the earth, and he is filling this room. And the very good news, the very good news for us of being made in his image and in his likeness is that your heart and your soul are designed especially to connect with him. At a very, very core, fundamental level, it is what you were made for. But it's going to take some practice. If we do it right, it will take the rest of our lives. Because there's always more. So this week, today, if you can, later when you leave this place, I want you to try it. I want you to find a quiet place. Doesn't matter where it is. Moms with little kids pray in the bathroom a lot. Might be your backyard. Might be your car. 
Maybe you're fortunate enough to have space for things like that in your home, but it doesn't matter where it is. Find a quiet place. Find a comfortable position. Take some deep breaths. Relax your mind. And I just want you to tell God something that's on your heart. Anything, something, anything, something that's weighing you down, that feels heavy. Something that you're longing for. Something that you're afraid of. Something that you need. Something you're excited about. Hopes that you have. Dreams that you have. Just tell him something. Tell him something important to you. Maybe one of those some things that you don't feel like you can tell anybody else. And see what happens. Just see what happens. See if he doesn't incline his ear toward you. See if he doesn't bend down. He longs to be near to you, exactly as you are. He wants to know you. And he longs for you to know him as well. That is what it means to pray. So let's practice. Let's practice this week. Let me pray for us.